Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion Useless MBA Trivia and Garbage Rankings. This is your first time, make sure to check out the trailer for season one so you know what we're doing. We're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I got them ranked pretty high. I got them in the top. I got them as the 14th best franchise of all time in terms of tiers. We're talking about tiers. The lowest tiers hasn't made a finals. Second worst is no titles. Third from the bottom is a single era, and right up top is the Cavaliers. Now they got the ninth worst winning percentage of all time, about 46% of their games. In 53 seasons, they've only made the playoffs 23 times. Nine of those came with LeBron James, so it really is a single era. But let's get into their history a little bit. They came in 1970 as an expansion franchise along with the uh, Portland Trailblazers and the Buffalo Braves, three new teams. When you're looking through NBA history, anytime there's a lot of expansion in a couple years, you end up with five to 10 years of poor play. And that's what happened here. There's also the you know drug addiction stuff and the ABA issues, but that's not what we're uh, talking about right now. The Cavs, for the first five seasons, missed the playoffs. Uh, division title. 1976, 49 wins, pretty good. Guys like Jim Jones, they had Lenny Wilkins for a couple years there, uh, towards the end of his career. Uh, but amazingly, in their first ever playoff appearance in 76, Eastern Conference Finals, that ain't bad. They lost to the uh, Celtics, who ended up winning the title, of course. Not a great season, but still, that, that's impressive, so give it up. A couple more playoffs until a long drought from 79 all the way through 84. Bottoming out at 15 wins in 1982. They had four head coaches that year. Four head coaches. <laughs> uh, yeah, 15 wins sounds about right. Now, they had a lot of good coaches throughout. Uh, a, a lot of historically relevant coaches early in their history. Uh, Bill Fitch, of course, coached them for those first few years. He ended up having a long career, having a title uh, with the Celtics in 81. Uh, they had George Carl, young, young George Carl. Uh, and then Lenny Wilkins ended up coaching a few years. He coached he coached from 87 all the way to 93. At seven years, made the playoffs five times. Eastern Conference Finals in 92. Uh, now, this was a, a pretty important team. They had Mark Price, they had Brad Darty, they had Larry Nance. Um, a, a lot of historically forgotten players. Now, that probably happened because they ne never ended up winning anything. The Eastern Conference Finals is as far as they got for the first long stretch of their history. But 57 wins, battling against Michael Jordan. And really all we think of them is that Jordan shot in the playoffs a few years earlier over Craig Elo. And that's about it. Now by the turn of the century, uh, they became kind of a laughing stock. Seven straight missed playoffs, bottoming out in 2003 with 17 wins. But that those 17 wins granted them the rights to LeBron James. Now random tidbit, so Jerry West was running the Grizzlies at this time and the Grizzlies had a top one protected pick from the Pistons, top one protected. So that means if they get the number one pick, they get LeBron. If they get number two, they get nothing. And of course, they got number two. Pistons got the pick and took Darko. Uh, LeBron, I've talked too much about him, but transformed the franchise, transformed the league in a little bit of, in, in sort of a way. 
Uh, when you talk about players that changed the league, I don't think LeBron's higher on that list, but he did dominate <laughs> for a long, long time. He played with them seven years, made the uh, finals in his fourth year there. Definitely overachieving, young player, young phenom, bad, bad team. And then in 08, 09, 2010, kept expecting Kobe versus LeBron in the finals. Closest he got was 2009 Eastern Conference Finals, bounced by Dwight Howard and the Magic. 66 wins. They won 39 home games. Tied for the second most, only behind the 86 Celtics. 40 and 1 at home. That's just ridiculous. Uh, he bounced for South Beach and they sucked. They got three number one picks in four years. That's something else. But with all this capital that they built up by being, you know, terrible, uh, they wooed LeBron back. He came home, won the finals. Of course, they were down 3-1 against the Warriors. 63-win Warriors came back to win. Four finals in four years. Yeah, that's pretty good. He left them high and dry once again, and they had nothing. 19 wins in the first two seasons post-LeBron, number two. 22 that next year. Now, over the years, they ended up just building a team traditionally rather than just waiting for LeBron to come back like they did last time. We got Darius Garland, number five in 2019. Evan Mobley, number three a couple years later. They got Jared Allen in basically a dump by the by the Nets trying to get James Harden and gave up a lot for Donovan Mitchell. And it looks pretty good, ignoring the playoffs, because, I mean, for a lot of these guys, it was their first playoffs. Uh, the future is bright in Cleveland, but let's get to the rankings. For our first team, point guard. I might go a little controversial here. Kyrie had one All-NBA with the Cavs, a third team in 2015. Mark Price, several All-NBA, including a first team in 92. Kyrie was only there for six years. Mark Price is there for a lot longer. He, Mark Price ranks far higher than Kyrie on every single statistical category. Among Cavaliers players, second in steals, second assists, fifth in points. So is it crazy to say that Mark Price had a better Cavs career than Kyrie Irving? I think it's a little crazy. I'm not a big fan of Kyrie, but he has got to be your first team point guard here. In his six years, he averaged 21.6 points per game. The assists are a little low. The percentages are fantastic. They definitely improved as he, as he got along. But he's the scariest finisher I think the NBA has ever seen. It's not as flashy as guys like AI. It doesn't rock the rim, of course, but just in terms of getting to the basket and somehow making a shot go in, I don't think Kyrie's, I don't think anybody's higher than Kyrie. And more importantly, in 2016, when he was sharing the court with Steph Curry, LeBron James, and a couple other Hall of Famers, there were moments. I'm not saying the whole series, I'm not saying an entire game even, but there were moments when he was the best player in the game. And for that, and that alone, Kyrie is first team point guard. First team shooting guard. Way less exciting than Kyrie Irving. We're going Austin Carr. Nine years with the Cavs. He was part of that 76 team that got to the Western Finals. In those 13 games, he averaged 12 points a game. Now for his first three years, he was putting up 21, 20, 22 points per game. Good assists. Hitting 44% of his shots. But the team was just not winning. When his stats went down, they started winning. So that's not great for the Austin Carr experience. But he is one of only four guys. 10,000 points on his resume. And he was at least an important contributor to a team that went pretty far in the final in, in the playoffs. 
Now, while he wasn't the best player on that team, that 76 team, the miracle of Richfield, that's still pretty revered in Cleveland. And I think it's important to, to if you're going through Cavs history, which really just has that one really good period and one solid period, you got to talk about Austin Carr. First team small forward, LeBron James. He is number one in every single statistic. 23,000 points with the Cavs, 1,300 steals, almost double the next guy, 6,200 assists. That's number one. 6,200 rebounds, barely edging out. Uh, number two, most in free throws, three pointers, 1,200 threes with the Cavaliers. Most in games, 849, even though he ditched them, people act like it happened so quickly. He was there seven years. Now, I don't think he is the greatest player of all time, but eight straight finals appearances, that's a dynasty in itself. While I was rooting for the Warriors in 2016, I loved Steph, never liked LeBron. You couldn't help but smile when he got that title. I mean, that's what sports is about, is overcoming. and these stories that we fall in love with for no reason. My favorite version of LeBron though was 2018. So he is 30 he is 33 years old, which after not playing college feels a little bit older. 15th year in the league. Led the league in games played. Played all 82 games. Led the league in minutes, 36.9 minutes. Led the league in total points, not points per game, but total points cuz he played so many games in the playoffs. 22 games, most in the league, 41.9 minutes, most in the league, 34 points per game in the playoffs, most in the league along with nine rebounds and nine assists. He wanted that title. He wanted to beat KD, wanted to beat Steph in the year right after Kyrie left. Now that was a man among little children in that series, in that playoff stretch. There's five different versions of LeBron. We could spend 20 minutes on each one. Uh, but LeBron, pretty handily best small forward in Cavs history. First team power forward going Larry Nance. First one, not Larry Nance Jr. Seven seasons with Cleveland. In his 13 years, played uh, six and a half seasons with Phoenix, six and a half with Cleveland. Two All-Stars while playing with Cleveland. He was a solid 17 and 8 that entire time. While giving you at least two and a half blocks a game pretty much every single year. In fact, his blocks per game improved during his Cleveland stretch, that second half of his career. He's also shooting just high percentage, 53% from the field for his career. Uh, didn't take threes, hit his free throws really well. Uh, but he could block a dude's shot like nobody's business. He was never all NBA, he was all defense a couple teams. Uh, but in his career, he's 19th in total blocks per game. 19th in blocks. That's pretty good. Well, I said LeBron has pretty much every stat wrapped up for the Cavs. LeBron's fourth in blocks, Larry Nance third, one of three guys with a thousand, 1087. From a historical relevance standpoint, his most important moment is 1984, winning the first NBA slam dunk contest, the High Ayatollah of Slam Ola. Good inside guy, great mid-range guy, but the blocks and the dunks, that's what he's remembered for. First team center, Brad Darty. Now, he should have been teamed up with Moses Malone and Charles Barkley to form probably the scariest front court of all time, despite playing at the same time as Bird, McHale, and Parrish in their primes. Uh, but Darty was the number one pick in 86, the same year Len Bias, number two pick, 
uh, overdosed on draft night. He ended up having a really short career. He was 28 in his final season. It's only eight seasons in the league, but he averaged 19 points, nine and a half boards, and about four assists a game. One of the best big man passers of all time, and really in a modern way, not really in that, uh, it was way more Joachim Noah than Pau Gasol, if that makes sense. Definitely not Jokic, but a little, a little bit Jokic, a little bit Joachim Noah. He came in the league as a weapon, 16 points on 54% shooting, grabbing eight rebounds a game as a rookie, and only went up from there. Now he doesn't have one season that you stand that stands out like, wow, that's something. Uh, but a lot of 18 to 21 points, nine to 11 rebounds, three or four assists a game, year in, year out, day in, day out. He only ended up getting one All-NBA, and that was a third team in 92, but I mean, come on. You got David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, a lot of bigs to battle with. Fourth in total rebounds for the Cavs, about 5,000, despite only playing 540 games. The vastly underrated Brad Doherty. So that's our first team, Kyrie, Austin Carr, LeBron, Larry Nance, Brad Doherty. Second team, point guard, Mark Price. I really wanted to put him first team. I like this guy a lot. Uh, he was first in free throw percentage for a long time before he was eventually passed by Steve Nash and then Steph Curry. Led the league in uh, free throw percentage three times in his career, twice with the Cavs. Played nine years in Cleveland, drafted the same year as, as Brad Doherty, 25th pick overall. Now it was him and Brad for that first, for those seven years. In 92 at Pete, of course, Eastern Conference Finals, and Price was first team All-NBA. Now the early 90s, a lot of really good talent, not so much in the guard position. This is right after Magic, test positive for HIV. He's out of the league. Isaiah Thomas is on the, out of the league. And there weren't those young guys to take over. Latrell Sprewell, a couple years later, was first-team All-NBA. It's kind of crazy how that worked. But he still, he still earned it. He got it. First Cavs career, that's basically where all of his prime was. Uh, he's pretty washed when he went to uh, the Bullets, Golden State, and Orlando at the end of his career. 16 points, 7 assists. 40% from three for his career, making 1.4 a game. That is a lot in the early 90s. 48% from, from the field. And in 89, his first all-star season, 53 field goal percentage, 44% three-point percentage, and 90% free throw percentage. He was the second member of the 50-40-90 club, invented and perfected by Larry Bird in the two previous years. Second team shooting guard going Ron Harper. Now, Ron transitioned to point guard and defensive anchor later in his career with Chicago and the Lakers. Uh, but when he was playing with Cleveland and then later the Clippers, he was a straight-up shooting guard, and he could get buckets. His rookie year, he had a career-high 22.9 points per game. Top of that, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, kind of a poor free-throw shooter, 70 72% for his career. Not great for a guard. 68% his rookie year. Overall, his percentages just below 45%. You know, decent. I think his defense has always been a little bit overrated. He got a lot of steals, so 1.7 for his career, 2.5 as a rookie. That really is an incredible rookie season. He's the eighth pick overall, and he was all rookie first team, as you can imagine. Now, despite his legacy, he was never on an all defensive team. Never even got votes for all defense until 98, where he was 31st in voting shares. But a great on-ball defender, a great pickpocketer, knew where to be, athletic. And in his time with his Cavs, a really, really good scorer. Took his team to the playoffs in his second and third year. 
By the way, he also came in that 86 draft. So let's revisit that. So we're going to break down this draft real quick because this just got interesting. On June 16th, Philly traded the number one pick to Cleveland for Roy Hinson. June 17th was the draft. So they got Brad Darty number one. Now their own pick, number eight, they ended up picking Ron Harper. Mark Price was drafted 25th. Back then, that was the first pick of the second round. He was drafted by the Mavericks. Immediately traded that same day for a second round draft pick in 89, straight up. I can't really explain that one at all. And then for good measure, they got Johnny Newman at 29, who only played one year, 10 minutes a game, and then went on to have a pretty nice career. So that was an, that is an excellent draft and just a steal for Mark Price. But Ron Harper, coming back to him, he was number eight overall. Let's get back on track. Uh, second team small forward, Mike Mitchell. Mitch the Stitch, rest in peace, died at 55 in 2011. Strapped in 78, played three and a half years, one all-star in 81. It's pretty good. 24.5 points per game, six rebounds. Did not pass the ball at all. Career 1.3 assists per game. That's like Michael Porter Jr. level. Really thrived with the Spurs later in his career, at least personally, in terms of uh, statistics. And then Italy, Israel, long, long international career. With the Cavs, he didn't, he didn't make the playoffs at all. But two 20-point-per-game seasons, really good percentages, one of the best scorers of that era. Now, with that few games, that doesn't rank high in Cavaliers' all-time numbers. But in terms of per game, sixth, 19.3. 60 points per game. I ain't bad. He ended up known as a really well, a really good uh, postseason performer. We'll get to that when we talk about the Spurs because he didn't have the chance to do it with Cavs. Second team power forward going hot Rod Williams. His name is John Williams, but even on basketballreference.com, it's hot Rod Williams. That's like Magic Johnson level of nickname. Of nickname so good for you, bud. Second round pick in the uh, 85 draft. 45th overall, but he made his debut in 1986. This just got even crazier. So 1986, Cavs added Hot Rod Williams, Ron Harper, Mark Price, Brad Darty, And then a year and a half later, they made the trade for Larry Nance. That is a good, good team. Good starting five. Now he was immediately the starting power forward for the Cavs. Bumped when uh, Nance came around, but his rookie year, 14.6 points per game, 8 rebounds. For his Cavs career, 13-7, solid. 48% shooting, solid. 1,200 blocks, that's the second most in franchise history. 1.8 a game of playing with the Cavs. Just a strong, big defender, 6'11", 250. Now, after my impromptu research, I realized he didn't play that rookie season because he was under trial for alleged point shaving while playing with Tulane. So he missed his rookie year. And maybe more importantly, his nickname Hot Rod came because as a baby, he made engine noises as he scooted backwards across the floor. Those are the important facts. That is the useless trivia we want. Uh, second team center, Zydrunas Ilgauskas. And he was a made save the Cavs for seemed like forever. Uh, he just could not get it going the first few years. Missed his rookie year. 82 games next year. Then five games. Missed the next year. 24 the next year. His feet were just a huge problem. But by 2003, at 27 years old, he became full-time starter again. 
and he was an all-star twice in his in his career. Nice running mate with LeBron. They didn't necessarily complement each other. He's not really a player that thrives with LeBron. He's a slow him down big man. Uh, he had nice range, not necessarily from three point, but good mid-range guy, solid rebounder, good defender, got a lot of blocks. He is their all-time leader in blocked shots. I think he wouldn't necessarily thrive today. You need kind of uh, Poco stick centers for today's game, which is the kind of center that LeBron really likes. But for his era, he was a top 10 to 15 center for a long time, and that's that's good enough. So that's our second team, Mark Price, Ron Harper, Mike Mitchell, Hot Rod, Williams, Cedrinus Olgowskis, the third team. Point guard, I'm going Darius Garland. I like him a lot, so this might be biased. But at this point, he's four years in. He does have an all-star, 18.5 points per game for his career. 22 these last two seasons, 22 and eight, two straight seasons with good percentages, hits a lot of threes at a really, really good clip, makes his free throws. Uh, solid defensive player, he gets a lot of steals, but a little bit undersized, but he knows where to be and he tries, and that's what you want in a, uh, in a point guard at the end of the day. Hasn't been All-NBA yet. I think uh, they're, the Cavs last year really struggled to figure out whether he or uh, Mitchell should be their closing guy in the final minutes of games, and I would give it up to, to Garland. Now, there's not really a better choice. There's three pretty good point guards. I think on one hand, we don't want to crown guys when they're still playing, but on the other hand, it's been four years, and it's been four very good years. And to come to the first non-LeBron postseason in a really, really long time, and I kind of think he was the only dude not crapping his pants during the, the five playoff games they lost to the Knicks. Donovan Mitchell's stats dropped. Jared Allen couldn't defend anybody and was afraid to shoot. Mobley looked like a young kid. At the end of the day, that's fine. It's the second year. Uh, but Darius Garland still putting up numbers. Still playing pretty well. Way too many turnovers, so. Third team shooting guard, World B3. Just like I said with uh, Garland, sometimes you want to fight guys that weren't there for very long. Three and a half years with the Cavs to kick off his 30s. Averaged 23 points a game during that time. I think that's that's better than anything anybody else did. He left to uh, Philly right before their team really came together in 86. We've talked about him a couple times because he's been on a lot of teams, but just incredible scorer. Important footnote in the history of the NBA. Uh, you know, late pick, undersized, underdog, but just an incredible play, incredible score. Second team small forward going campy Russell. One of the best couple players on that 76 team that went to the Eastern Finals, made an all-star in 79. For his career, 16 a game, peaked at 22, 1979. Way too many turnovers for a, uh, a scoring forward. Three a game for his career, peaked at 3.6. That's like if LeBron James were putting that, it would be like, ah, that's a little high guy. And he is not LeBron James. Believe it or not, I do not have a lot of campy Russell stories. But he is an all-time University of Michigan dude, so I'm a fan. 13 power forward, I'm going Kevin Love. Now I think because it was so underwhelming, we won't rank him lower, but he did play eight and a half seasons with Cleveland. He made two all-stars, he won a title, he was the third best player on four teams that went to the finals. He was the best rebounder, probably the best uh, three-point shooter for his career, 16 and nine, couple assists. And I feel like those the assist numbers don't do him justice because he was Wes Unseld when it came to uh, uh, initiating a fast break with the, the long pass. I think they need to look at him at quarterback over Tua. Now his percentages are terrible with, with Cleveland. 
And that's because they just stuck him in the corner. It's really upsetting. And that's the thing that happens when you play with LeBron. If you're, he's the ultimate equalizer. If you're good at something, then that thing is what you do. Where Kevin Love needed to be a guy that is in the post, fighting for rebounds and hitting threes when they're there, not setting up for them. And now I got him a title, so I think he's he's probably fine with it. Uh, but I've never never been happy with it. He is second all time in three pointers made though for the Cavs. One of two guys with a thousand. He's at 1096. Then third team center. A lot of good centers. Going Jim Jones, best dude on that 76 team. He was never an all-star. Played five years with Cleveland. But in that time, 14 a game, 10 rebounds a game, about a block and a half, solid percentages. And that would have been impossible for him to have made a uh, an all-NBA team when you have two spots in the 70s where everybody has all-star caliber center. Uh, but an underrated good player for, for a stretch of the NBA that has gone, for the most part, pretty forgotten. He ended up getting his title with the Lakers in 1980, and he was done after 1982. Only 10 years in the league, two of which actually were with the ABA. He ended up being a nice play-by-play uh, -play guy for the Cavs later in his career, later in his life, I should say. So that's our third team, Darius Garland, will be free, can't be Russell, Kevin Love, Jim Chones, hardest cuts, Terrell Brandon, uh, better career than you could imagine. I just, Darius Garland, I just, it just slight edge. Maybe that's prisoner of the moment. Andre Miller, same thing. Uh, Andre, I, I, on one hand, I like that he's good at the one thing he does. On the other hand, I just don't think that's ever gonna lead to winning. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, this was not the peak of his career, but his uh, his coaching with them, that kind of bumps him up a little bit. Donovan Mitchell, too early to put him over. World be free after one 51 win season. Craig Elo, uh, worthy of being mentioned, but definitely not. Bingo Smith, part of that 70s run, almost put him in there. Uh, Tristan Thompson, he's not better than Kevin Love, so no. Sean Kemp, this was this version of Sean Kemp when he played with the Cavs. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he put up buckets, but there's just everything wrong with the league in that time. Guys that didn't care, didn't try, uh, got paid too much money at too young to the point where they just stopped caring about basketball and really only played three years there too, so whatever. Uh, Roy Hinson, strong case for him over Campy Russell. The fact that he was traded for uh, Brad Doherty kind of hurts him in the long run, so maybe that's not fair. But that's it. If you guys hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at wrongopinionmba. I work with a YouTuber uh, for a channel on Hooper's Lane, so check his work out. He is awesome. We will be back next week. We're breaking out of this section called a, a single era into the top half of the uh, NBA franchises. Our next section is titled A Few Sustained Runs. Team that had a couple good years several times. At the bottom of the list, we got a team that was decent at the beginning of NBA history. Dominant for a couple years in the 70s. And then came just short up in the 90s. Can you guess who that is? Peace out.